This is Ian Hartley. And I'm Warren Kay. Welcome to the Rediscovering God podcast. We invite you to join us as we endeavor to see Him more clearly, love Him more dearly, and follow Him more nearly. So Ian, as we continue today, I just want to remind people that on the website, rediscoveringgod.ca, they can download the uh, PDF document for this presentation and follow it along. There's some good graphics that will be helpful for people to visualize what uh, we're describing. And, and also, if you have questions and you'd like to uh, just listen in as other people ask questions, come and join us Monday night on a Zoom call. Go to Zoom at 8 o'clock Monday night, Mountain Daylight Time, and put in 403-506-9201, and you will find us there. We would welcome you and uh, enjoy having you join us and uh, just be blessed as we share together as a small community. So Ian, today we are looking at the gift of God. Tell us more about that. I guess God has many gifts to us, but uh, the one we're going to hone in on today is how God has resolved the problem we have as sinners. How does God save us? Uh, what's his method? How does he go about it? You know, there are simplistic statements like the Bible says it, I believe it, that settled. Or repent, confess your sins, uh, and be saved. And, but uh, they don't actually get down to the um, function of this gift of salvation that God has given us. And why is it called a gift? You know, Warren, there's a constant tension in all of our lives between trusting God for salvation and trying to become better people, more yes. moral people. Well, because everything in life is transactional. Yes. We just expect that there's something we have to do to get that in exchange. And yet with God, that's not the case. That's why we say it's relational. Yes. You know, um, our best relationships are with our parents, children, uh, spouses, and while sometimes there's uh, an expectation, often that only bedevils the relationship. Right. Um, relationships are all about giving in the truest sense of the word. So, like you say, um, we really uh, function on no pain, no gain. Uh, you know, you... you if you don't, the Bible says, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Yes. So then this idea of grace turns all that on its head mm -hmm. in some senses. So uh, we're going to use uh, a well-known uh, statement of, of this gospel of grace found in Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 1 starts out by saying, you know, we were all dead in sin, and then God did something for us. He made us alive with Christ on Easter Sunday morning. 
and and we're going to read from verse eight but that uh, introduction is very important because it places this event at least as far back as the cross and the resurrection and then if you read chapter one of ephesians it actually places it back before the creation of the world yes which is staggering anyway let's get to ephesians 2 verse 8. Uh, you want to read that for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves it is the gift of god so i don't know if you realized that you read it as five statements okay it is by grace you have been saved through faith not of yourselves it is a gift of God. Right. So you've got the it used twice in this passage. It is by grace, and then it is a gift of God. Yes. And it's interesting to um, ask, so what does the it refer to? That's a good question. Is it the grace? Is it salvation? Is it faith? What does it actually refer to? So <laughs> uh, a few years ago, I asked every uh, language teacher I could get hold of, um, what does the it refer to? They all eventually came up with the same answer. It refers to the primary statement of this verse, which is, you have been saved. Oh interesting so so if you strip away everything else that's the core statement that's being made in this verse yeah all the the other four statements are amplifying it uh, describing how it happens and so on right so you have been saved by grace through faith not of yourself it's a gift of god and the essence is you've been saved <laughs> yes past tense yes wow so uh we're going to talk about these five statements mm -hmm. um just take them apart so uh because many uh listen to these podcasts the seventh day advent we have a tradition amongst us um um that we should never say we say. So if you listen to most Seventh-day Adventists' public prayers, uh, they'll usually have a line in there and help us to be ready when you come. Right. Which uh, indicates that there's no uh, assurance there. Mm -hmm. they, they're still on this uh, playing ping pong with God, you know, or musical... Um, what do you, when you pass a bag around musical, musical chairs? chairs? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, when I was younger, there were discussions like, suppose you have a, uh, an argument with your spouse, you leave home in a, in a temper and you killed in, on the way before you had chance to apologize and make amends. Mm -hmm. Would you go to heaven? Oh, this was a big debate. Yes. I remember those debates. Yes. Yeah. So I want to read you something from uh, Ellen White in Christ's Object Lessons. She says this, those who accept the Savior 
however sincere their conversion, should never be taught to say or to feel that they are saved. Really? Wow. Yeah. That, that seems to fly in the face of what Ephesians is saying here. <laughs> yes. So that's the statement at the top of the page, a little lower down on the page, 155, Christ Object Lessons. She says this, this is misleading. Everyone should be taught to cherish hope and faith. But even when we give ourselves to Christ, we know that he accepts us. We are not beyond the reach of temptation. So she equates saying that you're saved as being that I'm no longer able to be tempted. Okay. So uh, he's saying you can't say you're saved and could no longer become unsaved. Yes. There you go. Yeah. See, the Methodists at this stage had what they called the second blessing. Mm. And the first blessing was conversion. The second blessing was when the spirit came on you. And after that, you couldn't be tempted. Mm. Oh, okay. You couldn't be tempted after that. Wow. No. Okay. Meaning you couldn't be unsaved. So she's kind of, she's cautioning against that belief that yes. uh, you could ever get to that point in your journey. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, context is always so important. What mm -hmm. does the writer have in mind when they use a particular term? Now, coming to Canada some 20 years ago, I found a lot of words uh, that were different here. I'll give you one. Momentarily. In Canada, you can say, I'll see you momentarily. And you mean, I'll see you in a little while. Mm -hmm. uh, it's never used like that in English, <laughs> as opposed to Canadian. <laughs> How is it? The English, the English usage of momentarily means for a little while. Oh. So you're passing, we're passing on the highway, going opposite direction. And I say to Irma, I saw Warren momentarily. Okay. Mm. Just for a little while. Right. But, you know, you have to be careful. Uh, another one is a couple. If the, I say to you, bring me a couple of eggs, how many eggs will you bring me, Warren? Two. Two. Warren, you're very stingy. Yes. I mean by a couple, somewhere six and less. Why didn't you say so? <laughs> I did. <laughs> Not in my culture. <laughs> so let's look at this salvation. The primary statement is you've been saved. Uh, well, saved from what? Right. Uh, so the usual answer is from sin. Uh, well, wh what do we mean by sin? So if you go to James, uh, he says that it's transgression of the law. Well, yes, it is. If you go to Romans 3.23, uh, he says that sin is coming short of God's glory. Right. So that's kind of a different take on what sin is. That mm -hmm. um, doesn't mean that you can make stars and so on. Uh, it's talking about God's character, which is merciful, patient, 
uh, and so on, as was described to Moses in Exodus. Mm -hmm. But then Jesus has a, another very different take on it. So I would like you to read John 5, 39 to 40, because uh, this is important uh, that we get Jesus' perspective on it. So John 5, 39, says, 40. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. So Jesus is very clear. Then you lost because you refused to come to him. Yes. And, so uh, it's really not a matter of good and bad behavior. It's a matter of accepting Jesus, coming to him and realizing what he has done. Yeah, it's establishing that relationship. Yes. Um, that he wants to have with it. So, um, of course, we need to be saved from selfishness. Uh, but as we've talked about in previous podcasts, there's also the element of shame and guilt. You see, when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, there's, there's a very interesting story of what happened. Uh, it says that... Uh, they uh, hid from God, and um, they made themselves clothes. Mm -hmm. So um, this was, you wonder why they had that reaction. I mean, if uh, I steal $10 from you, I, I don't immediately take off my clothes. Yeah, right. Um, and, and go, I might try and hide from you. Uh, yes, ever since then, human beings on this planet have suffered from this condition where they feel that they're not good enough. Right. We're always wondering if we're good enough. Um, and this is why it's so difficult for us to uh, believe the gospel. Because it, it seems that shame and guilt gives us the, the assumption that God is upset with us. And that we have to do something to get back in his good books. Yeah, yes. Well, it's pretty much like that with all human relationships. Mm-hmm. Flores thrive on that kind of situation. Yeah. I saw a poster in a florist shop once. It was a long stem rose, a small bouquet, a, a little bit bigger bouquet, and then a huge bouquet. And yeah. the caption underneath it said, how angry is she? <laughs> yeah. what, what size of a gift will you have to bring home to be able to uh, reconcile things? Yeah. So um, it was like that with the sacrificial system. Yes. You now, the more important the person was, the bigger the sacrifice that to make the more expensive mm -hmm. the sacrifice mm -hmm. so it played into that way of thinking is that uh, to establish uh, your connection with god uh, you need to get a very big bouquet of flowers yes so um, we need to really be saved from our separation from god's heart when adam and eve sinned um, they tried to hide from God and they expected the worst from him. 
and he comes along and says, hey, where are you guys? Mm -hmm. What's happened? This is our talk time. It seems nothing had changed for him. Yeah, just to get a little bit of perspective on this, uh, this word grace, because it's so important here. Um, on the visual, we have a pyramid. And the terms that, are, that make the, up the pyramid are at the base justice, and then the next step is pardon and mercy, forgiveness, and the third level, justification. And then on the fifth level, we have grace. Mm -hmm. So uh, we need justice. And justice pre-condition uh, is law, that you have order in society. Yes. So we all want that. I don't think anybody wants anarchy. Mm -hmm unless you're very angry. So when you transgress a law, um, most of us want pardon or mercy. Yes. Which means the penalty is reduced. So for instance, if I'm getting a speeding fine, uh, I'd like to go and see the prosecutor and see if he won't reduce it. Yes. Have some mercy on me. Mm -hmm. uh, forgiveness is an interesting term. Uh, my sister's 23-year-old daughter was murdered, and she met the perpetrators in court. And she said, um, sent them a message saying, I don't know if you killed my daughter or not, but if you did, I forgive you, because I know this wasn't your wish. So what she was saying is that I won't take revenge on you. Yes. That's what forgiveness actually means, is mm. that you, you give up your uh, legitimate right to take revenge of some kind or another. Mm. So justification is a word that was taken over from Latin and used in the um, earlier English translations. And it does not mean forgiveness or pardon. It actually is far better. It means innocent. So it's not overlooking the wrong. It means being seen as if you didn't do the wrong. Yeah. Okay. Like if uh, you accuse me of driving at 200 kilometers an hour, and I say to you, Warren, Irma was in the car. She can tell you I never went over 120. Yeah. See, I'm not asking you to forgive me. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm claiming I'm innocent. Okay. So God justifies it. Um, he declares us innocent. So I used to wonder how he could do that. Did you ever wonder? Well, because we're still guilty. Yeah. Even though we're guilty, he claims we're innocent. Yeah. That is a puzzle. Yeah. So I have uh, two young friends who have muscular dystrophy and fetal alcohol syndrome. Mm -hmm. So I justify them. They are wheelchair bound now. Yes. And, and I don't think badly of them because they can't walk or run and jump mm -hmm. or get what they want. Okay. Or shower themselves. Um, because I understand they never chose 
that condition for themselves. Yeah. So I'm quite happy to justify that. Mm. And so God looking at us, I mean, did you choose to be a sinner? No, certainly no. did not. Well, I don't think any one of us would have chosen to be born on this planet. So God can look at our situation and uh, he's much kinder than I am. Mm -hmm. If I can justify two teenage boys because they never chose their dysfunctions, how much more can God justify us? Yeah, that's beautiful because it, it really takes the whole situation out of our choices because we didn't choose to be here. And, and God initiates this, this justification because he understands the situation that we've been placed in. Uh, you know, uh, pride makes it difficult to accept this because uh, I find many people want to make sure that I understand that they've chosen to be sinners. Mm. Mm. They want to take responsibility mm -hmm. for having done wrong. Mm. And so um, what that leads to is if you're choosing to do wrong, then you need to buy a big bouquet of flowers. The fifth word that we're talking about in this pyramid is grace. Um, so grace uh, is beyond justice, pardon, forgiveness, justification. Let me rephrase this in another way. Justice is getting what you deserve. Pardon is getting less than you deserve in terms of penalty. Forgiveness is deliverance from desiring revenge. And justification is undeserved innocence. And grace is getting much more than you deserve. Yeah, good. Now, I'm not much of a grammarian, but I do know that this statement, you have been saved, is perfect passive tense. So, what does that mean? <laughs> well, perfect tense means it happened in the past mm -hmm. and the consequences continue. Okay. Like, uh, I don't have an appendix. Mm -hmm. It got taken out decades ago and I, st I haven't gotten a new one. Right, right. <laughs> I'm appendixless. Yeah. Okay, so that's what perfect means. Okay. Happened in the past, the consequences continue. Passive means somebody else did it. Okay. Well, you better be sure somebody else took my appendix out. Yeah. I wasn't capable of doing it. So you have been saved is perfect passive tense. Happened in the past and you didn't do it. Right. Somebody else did it for you. And you still um, experience the benefits from that in the present. That's right. Mm. You got it now. Perfect passive tense. Mm. You didn't think you're getting a grammar lesson today. No, I didn't. <laughs> I'm but open it, to learning. It's, it's just interesting. So I have a story uh, that illustrates grace. I have many stories. Um, so, but this one I really like. Um, it's a parable. I was okay. caught speeding on the way to the hospital. Mm. The traffic officer, in order to protect the community from inconsiderate drivers, pulled me over and proceeded to write the ticket. 
This was justice, mm. fairness to all. While writing the ticket, he realized it was his birthday. Feeling generous, he tore up the ticket and wrote one for much less. This was mercy or pardon as far as I was concerned. Mm -hmm. The officer interrogated his computer for my driving history and found not a few demerit points. He confessed that he too had a few from other officers. Then he tore up the second ticket he'd written and wrote a third one for even less. He confessed he'd had a bad night and the ticket was still far too much. Mm. This was forgiveness. I hope you're starting to like this traffic officer. Yeah, I hope that uh, he stops me when I get uh, when I infract the law. Well, the story's only started, Wally. Mm. The officer inquired if I was aware of the playground speed zone. I affirmed my genuine ignorance in my desire to get to the hospital intensive care unit. He took up the third ticket. This was more than forgiveness. This was justification declaring me innocent, mm. finally affirmed me as a caregiver in the community and told me that his father had been a poverty-stricken clergyman. Now, you won't believe this. So he pulls out his wallet and he finds $300 in, the, in there and he, he presses this into my hand uh, to be used as I need it. Wow, that's, uh, that's quite a parable. So no one ever expected a traffic officer to do that. Yeah. It's an unbelievable story, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But so you benefited in many ways. He, he tore up the ticket because justice said you should have paid that fine. Yes. He forgives the fine, gives you what you don't deserve, and then gives you money over and above that. Yeah to illustrate what God's grace is. God does way more than just cancel our debt or forgive our sin. He gives us so much more. You got it. Beautiful. So grace never tests or tries or tempts. Grace conspires in compassion and aspires in affection. Grace is about giving, not achieving. Grace lavishes love kindness and acceptance beyond our wildest imagining like grace is always hard to comprehend because that's the point of grace yeah it just always takes you by surprise it's great to receive uh, but it costs us something to give as it costs god yeah right uh, Whenever you give without return, you experience loss. Mm -hmm. But it's a joyous loss. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, we're talking about the statement, you have been saved. And the origin of this salvation uh, is stated, it is by grace. So we've talked about that a bit now. Grace. I was taught when I was much younger is free, unmerited favor. Mm -hmm. It's free to me, but not free to God. Yes. So um, the other statement about being saved is through faith. 
So, you know, often it sounds like faith is our savior. You know, we saved by faith. Yes, yeah. I persevered by faith. But faith uh, needs an object. You can't just have faith. Mm -hmm. Your faith is always placed in somebody or something. So uh, it's faith is like uh, a fork. It's a, a, an instrument or a mechanism. Like you have food on your plate, you need to get the food into your mouth. Mm. So you use a fork. Mm -hmm. Now there's no nutrition in a fork. The fork moves the nutrition from the plate to your palate. Mm -hmm. And faith is like that. Uh, faith does not save you. Jesus saves you. Right. But faith is the mechanism where Jesus' salvation is moved from his heart into your heart. So what if I don't have very much faith? Well, you're in trouble. Mm. But I have good news for you. Okay. Hebrews 12 says, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. The author is the one who creates it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, a, it's still a, 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 gives me a sense of wonder when I look at a book that somebody wrote uh, and you have these little black marks on a piece of white paper and I'm right inside the person's head. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's amazing to me mm -hmm. uh, that that can actually happen. So faith is like that. Um, it, it's this mechanism. It's like the pen that transfers your thoughts into my head by making these little black marks on a piece of paper. So I've heard it suggested that when it says uh, like we're saved by faith, that it could have been translated we're saved by his faithfulness. Yes. It is his faithfulness, not mine, that is dependent on. Yes. But you are believing, you are trusting. Yes. In his faithfulness. Yeah. That's when the mechanism comes in here. Okay. Right. Uh, you have to commit yourself. You know, it's like the story of Houdini uh, walking across a cable and Niagara Falls. And then he asks the audience, uh, you believe I can push a wheelbarrow across? They all, yeah, so he pushes the wheelbarrow. Mm. He says, do you believe I could push a, a person in a wheelbarrow across? Everybody says, yeah, we believe. He says, who's willing to get in? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, faith is, faith does not create your salvation. Mm -hmm. Faith grasps that God has saved you. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that changes the way you think and feel. Right. Yeah. So it's like when that penny drops and we realize what he has actually done, it changes us. It does. Yeah. It does. The disciples prayed to Jesus and said, Lord, increase our faith. So mm. it's not only grace. And not only uh, uh, salvation that uh, is a, a gift, a gracious gift to us, but even the faith. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. 
if we go out to dinner, we buy the dinner, but we also get some knives and forks whereby to eat it. It's mm -hmm. part of the package deal. Right. You don't have to pay extra for the, yeah. the knife and fork. Mm -hmm. So I, I just want to emphasize that again. It's not our faith that saves us. Mm -hmm. Our faith grasps what Jesus has done. And we're not saved when we grasp it, when the penny drops. We are saved, depending upon where you read in the Bible, either on Easter Sunday or before the creation of the world. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it took place outside of ourselves. Yes. We benefit from it, but it's not dependent upon what we have done or will do. No. Yeah, good. Okay, so the, the next phrase we want to talk about is not of yourself. So why do you think Paul put that in? Because why did he just say, well, by grace, you've been saved through faith. It is a gift of God. Why does he put in there, uh, not of yourself? I think because we are so programmed to feel there's something we have to do. Yeah. Uh, that we just, this has got to be a, a transaction and there's something that I have to contribute toward. And so he, he makes that really clear. It's, it's not of what we have done. So we've always had this tension in the Christian church between faith in Jesus and good works. Yes. And uh, if you read uh, in James, uh, he says that faith without works is dead. So that's true. You know, it's like saying, if you stop breathing, you're dead. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's no argument about that. Um, we were created for good works, like Ephesians 2 verse 10. If you can read that, please, uh, Warren, read verse 9 and 10. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Don't you love that? Yeah. We are God's masterpiece mm -hmm. created in Christ Jesus to do the good works he planned for us to do long ago. Of course, we are, we are action beings. Mm -hmm. We always want to do things. Mm -hmm. um, but we need to get the, the order uh, going here. You know, if you back your car out of the garage and then open the door. Yeah, that's not a good way to go. Both things need to happen if you're going to use the car. Mm -hmm. Order is very important. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever tried to put your socks on after you put your shoes on. No, I haven't. Yeah, you've tried sometime, Warren. It's, <laughs> it's a work of art. Yeah. So um, just let's think about uh, living and breathing for a minute. It is true that if you don't breathe, you're probably dead. Right. But you were alive long before you started breathing. How do you mean? Well, I mean, before you were born, you were alive. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. But you weren't, you weren't breathing. Right. Yeah. So when you're born, you start breathing. Mm -hmm. So which comes first, life or breath? Life. Life comes first. Mm -hmm. And then 
because you're alive, you start breathing. So you can say, if you're not breathing, you're dead, but you can't say, because you breathe, you are alive. Well, you can if you want to, but mm -hmm. you're not, your living wasn't caused by breathing. The breathing sustains the life that's already there. That's right. And you're first alive, and then you start breathing. Mm. Why am I making a big deal about this? Because this is the way it is with salvation. First, you come alive in Christ, and then as a natural result, you want to pass on that love and compassion that you've received from him. So when we exercise our faith and believe what he has actually done, that brings about a change and it it shows in our actions it, it's just demonstrated because we finally understand and yeah i i agree with you i would put the emphasis uh it's shown by the way we think and feel right okay and then that results in actions mm -hmm. you see um when you exhort people to good works they're really putting on an act hoping to fake it to make it. Yeah. It's a very frustrating thing. When this new heart, this new relationship is conceived by the Holy Spirit in our hearts, it gives birth to works of light. Yeah. So there's a, there's a huge difference between uh, doing what's right because it's right and doing um what the spirit impresses you to do mm, right again getting back to the idea of a relationship we yes. do what we do because we are in relationship not yes. because some rule says we need to do it that way that's right you see if you uh, are an insensitive person uh, you slow down at a playground or a school because you'll get fine. Mm -hmm. But if you're a sensitive person, you'll say to yourself, they're children. Children are naturally careless that could run out on the road here. I'm going to slow down just in case one of them runs up. So here's a statement by Paul that really sums this up. It's in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. And uh, can you read that, please? It's the New Living Translation. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me, and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I, but God, who was working through me by his grace. That's 1 Corinthians 15.10. Uh, I really resonate with what he's saying here. Whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me. Right. Yeah. So there's been a change. And certainly it was dramatic. Mm -hmm. um, going around, rounding up Christians to imprison or torture mm -hmm. or execute. So um, I just want to read Ephesians 2 verse 9 and 10 again. Verse 8 says, for it's by grace you have been saved through faith. This not from yourselves, it's a gift of God. And then in 
verse 9 and 10, Paul writes, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork or masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do God good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So uh, just to sum up what we've said so far, we've been talking about the statement, you've been saved. We've talked about how it's by grace. That's the origin of the salvation. It's through faith. It's not our faith, but uh, it's just our believing in the faith of Jesus in us, as you yes. pointed out. It's not of ourselves. Uh, we are not saved by faith and works. We are saved by Jesus' faith that works. Right. So now we come to the fifth statement. It mm -hmm. is a gift of God. So how does uh, a gift differ from a bribe? Well, a bribe has an expectation. Yeah. I will do something as a result of receiving that whatever it is are you suggesting that uh, a gift has no strings attached exactly yeah just like that just like that you mean to tell me that god has no expectation of a response from us when he saves us i think he has a hope that we will come in relationship with him but his gift is not dependent on that and the only way that could be possible is if he never took punitive actions against us, if we right. neglected or refused the gift. Mm -hmm. Like if I give you um, a bicycle for Christmas and you don't thank me, I can't take the bicycle back. Right. No, not many people know this, Warren. I mean, we have a whole um, history of believing in hell if uh, you don't get right with God. So if you don't accept the gift, then he's going to have to destroy you. Yes. So that doesn't seem like a an unconditional gift. No, it isn't. Yeah. So... Um, Titus chapter 1, verses 1 to 2. Can you read that for us, please? Sure. This letter is from Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. This truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life which God, who does not lie, promised them from before the world began. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. Here is this, this, this truth that he has promised us before the world began, and, and he can't lie. So he's promised this, and it's guaranteed, and it gives us confidence that we have eternal life. Yeah. Beautiful. And eternal life does not mean you can't be tempted anymore. Eternal life means that you have this hope that burns within your heart. Yes. And that uh, influences the way you live your life. Mm -hmm. And we need to be clear about this temptation thing. You know, uh, the devil lived in a perfect environment and he was certainly saved. 
and he lost it. Uh, Adam and Eve had the same experience. They had eternal life living in Eden, mm -hmm. and they lost it. Yeah. And that's possible for any one of us at any time. Mm -hmm. And I would say that that continues throughout eternity. Right. True. Yeah. Yeah. It's still uh, possible for us to reject the gift that he has given. Yeah. So I want to tell you the story about Tessa uh, from Traverse City. Okay. I got the story from Philip Yancey's, one of Philip Yancey's books. I think it's What's So Good About Grace. Tessa was the daughter of a pastoral couple, and she was uh, 16, 17 years old, and she was tired of being told her skirts were too short, her lips were too red, her blouse was too tight. And so one weekend when her parents, she claimed she had a headache, wanted to stay home, and her parents went to church. She left town. Traverse City is up on that peninsula towards Canada from uh, Detroit. Mm. And uh, so she took a bus down to Detroit and it wasn't long before she met a man with the longest car she'd ever seen. And it wasn't too many days after that that he'd installed her in a penthouse in a high-rise building. And she was living the high life. Mm had everything she wanted. Uh, one would never recognize her from her hairdo and the clothes she was wearing and so on. And a few months later, uh, she was being pimped and making money for this man. And a few years down the line, she's an addict and she's on the street. And the mm. high life's gone. And she's trying to keep warm on a piece of cardboard at an air vent mm. in the middle of winter. And finally, the unthinkable thought comes to her. Maybe I should go home. Mm. And so late one night, because she doesn't want to talk to anybody, she calls her father's number. And she gets the answering machine. And all she can say is, it's Tessa. And she puts down the phone. Mm. And a few days later, she plucks up her courage again, but still phones late at night. And uh, so she'll get the answering machine. And uh, this time she says, it's Tessa. I'm thinking about coming home. Hmm. He quickly puts the phone down. The third time she calls, she gives them the uh, Greyhound bus time when she'll be arriving in Traverse City. Hmm. And she has no um, certainty that the messages have been received. Uh, or that they'll be responded to. But she catches the ground bus from Detroit to Traverse City. And as they get closer to Traverse City, she's becoming increasingly anxious. Um, she tells the driver she has her luggage on the bus 
And please not to leave her at Traverse City, just in case there's nobody there. Mm. We're going north to Canada. Mm -hmm. And in her heart, she knows. She heard the talk. She saw it happen. Our people who didn't toe the line were shunned or shamed or rejected. But she's desperate. Mm -hmm. So it's 10 miles out of Traverse City, and her heart is really beating faster. Feels like it's going to jump out of her chest. And now the brakes are hissing and they're pulling into the Greyhound depot. She reminds the driver not to leave her. And she walks into the waiting area. And the first thing she sees is a huge banner across the back wall. It says, welcome home, Tessa. Hmm. And then she drops her eyes and she sees her parents. And she sees her uncles and her aunties and her cousins. Mm. And she sees some of the church people there. And she bursts into tears. And Tessa is home. Beautiful. Her picture of what her parents were like was very wrong. Mm -hmm. Partially her fault. But the reality was they missed her and they wanted her home. Yeah. And I don't know of a better parallel. Right. You know, Jesus crafted that story about the son who went away mm -hmm. to a different distant city and wasted his substance. And when he came home, he had this long speech of how he'd be a servant or a slave. Yeah. But the father would have none of it. Instead, he has a robe and a ring and sandals and a party to end all parties. Yeah. Because not this boy is home. This my son is home. Right. Which by grace you have been saved mm -hmm. through faith. And it's not from yourselves. It is a gift, unconditional gift of God. Amen. You know, we need to treasure this, this news mm -hmm. often in our hearts. We need to read it, remind ourselves, tell others about it. So that it becomes a reality in our thinking. Yes, it's so easily um, eroded in our in our minds, and, and we question it over and over again. And it seems that that's part of the guilt and the shame that the enemy still pushes on us. And we yeah. need to be rooted deeply into this confidence that we can have. You know, it's interesting to think how Adam and Eve knew that they were naked and why they had to hide. Yeah. We only have part of the story. I believe the serpent told them mm -hmm. after they'd eaten. You guys, hey, you guys are naked. Mm -hmm. God's really going to get after you now. You better hide. Yeah. And he's still telling us today. 
Mm -hmm. And so periodically this feeling of shame comes over us that we're not good enough. And it's a lie. Yeah. Straight from hell. So this is the truth that sets us free. It is. God loves us. He knows us by name. We're precious to him. He plans for us to spend eternity with him in mm -hmm. deepest intimacy. Right. So I, um, how shall I know if I've received God's grace or if this is just a theoretical sort of thing in my head? How do I know if it's moved to my heart? Mm. Well, I think that's a little bit like the question of how do I know if I've been born again? Yeah. Or how do I know when I've fallen in love? Yeah. It's like you just know when that happens. Yeah. There's that self-knowledge. Um, and I, uh, together with this, you always want to tell people when something traumatic like this happens in your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this is one of the great evidences to me is that you pass the message of grace on to other people. And you can only pass it on if you have it. True. So I, I, I like these words from uh, Matt Redmond's song. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul, I worship your holy name. Let, let me end with a prayer, Warren. Mm -hmm. Dear God, I'm so happy to be in your presence with my friend Warren and others who listen to this podcast. In your presence, I remember that I've been saved by grace. I believe you, God, when you say this. I know it's not for myself. I thank you for that gift this day and tomorrow and tomorrow. It's changed my heart and my mind and my body. And I will live forever because of you, together with you. It is a wonder. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ian. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on this journey to understand the God that Jesus knew. And if you'd like to share this with friends, we'd appreciate that. In fact, we have created a new website called rediscoveringgod.ca. You can refer your friends to that site, and they can see all the podcasts that we have produced so far, and the ones uh, in the future will be posted there uh, you can make comments, you can join us in a dialogue and a conversation so that we can discover what difference this is making for you or any questions that you have that we can endeavor to answer or perhaps address in a future podcast. So that's rediscoveringgod.ca. In addition to the website, we've also created a WhatsApp site called Rediscovering God. So if you're on WhatsApp or would like to join us, uh, just search for us there or send me an email at WKAYS as in Sam, IX, at gmail.com. And I'll be glad to add you to our group and we can continue the dialogue there.